again You're watching the weatherman I know you're thinking about leaving When the skies are clear Well, I wouldn't stand in your way Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for musicians, singers, songwriters, artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they're doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This. Check out www.nowhearthis.biz. Be sure to sign up for the email newsletter there, which is quick and easy. All that's required is an email address. We are coming to you from Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out on the web at www.cbpro, as in Crystal Blue Productions, cbpro.net. Be sure you are subscribing to this podcast and telling your friends to do so as well. We are thrilled to now be on both iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Lots of great guests on Now Hear This Entertainment, or as I've come to call it, NHTE. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest is a singer-songwriter who plays guitar and piano. She has gotten music placed on network and cable television shows. This month alone, she's playing in Tennessee, North Carolina, and Colorado. You can hear her music on Sirius XM Radio, among numerous other sources. She has drawn accolades from the media and peers alike, including John Mayer, who called her music gorgeous, simply gorgeous. And I would have to concur with that, by the way. You've been hearing her song, Memphis. It's my pleasure to welcome Liz Longley. Hello, thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for making the time. Uh, Liz, wow, (laughs) there is so much to cover that we could probably take this interview from late afternoon into evening. Congratulations on all your success. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. (laughs) And a a humble one at that, I can tell that you are. I mean, that's, you know, I, I started writing up the questions for this interview and I thought, oh, I still haven't covered this. Oh, I need to make sure I bring up that. And I got to the end of it, and I thought, boy, you know, this is going to fill out the whole podcast nicely, and yet I'm still <laughs> not going to cover like everything that you've done. It's it's really uh, impressive. Well, maybe you know about more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, while I'm saying that, let me remind myself, because I was going to type a note in here. So listeners, at some point, well, a couple times throughout the podcast, I will be giving you Liz's uh, website and, and other uh, places online where you can check her out. Make sure you read the bio on her website. It's just so much great stuff in there, and, and that, and then you'll, you'll hear and see, I should say, uh, some of the impressive stuff um, that I left out. So, Liz, there are a lot of cool things happening with you, but I can't ignore first where you came from in the lead-up to all that's been happening with you. You graduated from one of the most prestigious music institutions out there, Berkeley College of Music, with, as I understand it, a degree in songwriting? Yes, I know. Isn't that crazy? My parents allowed that. <laughs> uh, but I, I spent four years in Boston at Berkeley College of Music, and and I knew it was the only college I applied to because I knew I wanted to uh, study songwriting, and, mm. and they have such an incredible program. And it was even better than I had ever imagined. It was really some of the best times in my life, for sure. Wow. And uh, ultimately, you ended up moving from Philadelphia down to Nashville. Um, because of the up-and-comers that are listening to this podcast, share with us, um, what was it that triggered your decision that if I'm going to make it in the music business, I've got to leave Philly? Well, I, I had left Philly for college, and then once I graduated from college, as much as I loved Boston, I I, I knew I needed to be in either L.A., New York, or Nashville. Those sure. were kind of the three main music hubs, sure. and um, I definitely I tried my hand in New York City, and you know I'm, I'm mostly on the road, so 
living out of a, a minivan and coming home <laughs> to to New York City for some reason wasn't really doing it for me. So I lived there about three months, and then I and I realized, you know, I really want to be in Nashville because there's such a um, huge emphasis on the craft of songwriting here, and I mean the community of musicians here is is unbelievable, and they're incredibly welcoming, and warm, and supportive, and uh, so it was really uh, something that was an easy decision for me. And it's also, well, at the time, it was more affordable. Now everyone's moving here, so I, I don't know how long that will last. But, yeah, but you, um, you, you may have roommates sooner than, sooner than you think. Exactly. I know. When I first moved here, I was telling everyone, and then I heard that there's supposed to be 100,000 people moving here every year for the next five years. And then I was like, okay, I'm not telling anyone else. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> so the, don't tell anyone. The uh, statistic, I think it was uh, two episodes ago, um, the statistic that was given was that 600 people a week move to Nashville, yet 1,200 people a week leave Nashville. So, um, you're, Is you're, that true? Well, uh, it was said on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast, so that makes it true. <laughs> okay, it's true. Well, that makes me feel better. It's just like anything you read. In the, if it's in the newspaper, it must be true, right? <laughs> <laughs> if it's true, I'd feel a lot better about <laughs> Well, but you about- know... Um, talking about New York and Nashville, I mean, obviously, you know, as as I go back and forth to Nashville on business, um, you know, you certainly do see, I mean, exactly what you said, you know, what absolutely songwriting is completely the emphasis there uh, and just a total different environment, you know, from the fast pace of New York City and, and a lot more, you know, certainly it's competitive in Nashville, but it's a lot more cutthroat, you know, in New York. So sure. uh, it just yeah. sounds like, um, you know, and we haven't even met, but it sounds like your personality probably just agrees a whole lot more with the culture of Nashville, not to mention, you know, your music. Yes, I do love it. You know, I, I think I, I love New York City as well. I think it, but I think it either really uh, inspires you and invigorates you or it totally depletes your energy and, and you kind of just want to, you know, curl up in a ball in your room. And unfortunately, I was the latter. And my brother is is a visual artist and he lives in New York City and he's, you know, he's come alive in, in that city. So I, I, you know, I never want to say, you know, doesn't work, but I mean, it works for some people incredibly well to live there, but just not me. <laughs> and so does Nashville feel like home or, or do you have any designs on, on trying LA at some point? It feels like home to me. I can't, I can't imagine leaving at this point, but you know, I can't, I can't say for sure, but I've been here for two and a half years and it, it certainly feels like home. Yeah. Never say never, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and so now in Nashville, uh, which so many artists and songwriters pine away for, you almost go home <laughs> just for laundry and checking the mail and a change of clothes, it would seem. I mean, you're <laughs> you're on the road so much that actually playing in Nashville isn't really a focus for you. Wow, you seem to know me very well. <laughs> that is completely true. Um, I definitely come here just to kind of recharge and uh, clean my clothes and then clean the car and get back in it. Um and like you said, playing in Nashville isn't isn't a huge focus for me. I love being on the road, but when I get home, I love to just be home and and write and just kind of like I said, recharge. So I am playing in Nashville in this month, but um, that's a uh, something I probably only do two or three times a year. Yeah, and, if that. Uh, and and you also um, try to carve out. Um, I think it's called uh, personal time. That, yes. Are you familiar with that term? <laughs> I am. I'm in the middle of personal time right th- these next two weeks and it's it's odd. It's it's I almost have to like readjust to it because being on the road, you're always focusing on what the next day is, your how you're going to get there and uh where you're going to stay and all that stuff and and at home it, I don't have as much as of a, of a, a 
concrete schedule. And so it's sometimes it's intimidating because I'm like, what am I, what am I doing today? I feel worthless. I'm just sitting on the couch writing a song, but you know, that's also the other part of my job. So, yeah. yeah. Well then, uh, then I should be even more grateful that you're taking time away from your personal time to do this podcast. Gladly. Are you kidding me? I was joking with Liz, uh, listeners before we went on the air that, uh, that I'm sick this week and, um, you know, the show must go on, so I'm happy to be here at the studio doing this, and hopefully uh, everyone listening has been listening on a regular basis, and you can say, uh, I thought his voice sounded a little different this time, um, but it's uh, certainly um, my pleasure to, to come in and do this despite being sick, and uh, means a whole lot to me to know that you're doing this uh, on your personal time, even if there is a little bit of songwriting that you just, gosh darn it, just can't get away from it, can you? Even <laughs> when you're just trying to have Liz Longley the the person time. <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I know what it's like to go to work on feeling sick, so I well, appreciate you. Uh, thanks, but uh, the podcast is not about me. This podcast is about the guests <laughs> and about the listeners. Um, you know, I always talk about, uh, in, in the case of this particular episode, it's for the Liz Longley fans, it's for uh, fans of good music interviews, and it's for... Um, the up-and-comers, uh, songwriters, artists, you know, that, that want to learn from someone like yourself that has accomplished so much. Um, in the open, we heard your song, Memphis. Tell the listeners first uh, how you define your genre of music, and then tell us about that song. Um, well, defining a genre of music, I, you know, I used to have a really hard time defining my genre, and then I realized I had a hard time defining everyone's genre pretty much Mm. because um i don't really the the thing that i try to do is to never um put myself in a box i find that it kind of stifles my creativity so if i sit down one day and i go i think i'm going to write a a blues song or a jazz song or a country song i have learned not to say but you're not a country artist because uh it just stifles that you know that creative uh part of me so I, i i I would consider myself a singer-songwriter because there is no... That that doesn't feel as much as a box to me because I sing and I write songs and I kind of write whatever moves me that day. Um, so I guess that's how I describe it. I guess like pop, folky, singer-songwriter-ish. Mm-hmm. I'll buy that. I like it. I like that um, answer. But I, I'm, in, I'm influenced by many things. So, um, And Memphis uh, is off of a record that's coming out uh, this year. Hopefully, I made it last year. I'm hoping it comes out this year. <laughs> I've had it at shows for a year and a half, so it's out in that sense, but not online or available anywhere else. Um, and Memphis is a, write- a song that I was writing in a green room, and uh, and someone overheard me and, and said, you need to finish that song. And honestly, I don't think I would have if I didn't have that encouragement, because... Um, but I'm glad I did. It's one of those songs that I'm really glad that I committed to and finished writing. But it's a song called Memphis. And uh, I'll let the song do the talking as to what it's about. <laughs> okay. Uh, for the time being, I well, not, I'm not Bruce Wozniak for the time being. I'm always Bruce Wozniak. But uh, the formalities, my script says that I'm supposed to say I'm Bruce Wozniak. And joining me from Nashville on the Now Here This Entertainment guest line is singer-songwriter Liz Longley. Visit her website at www.lizlongley.com, and that's L-O-N-G-L-E-Y. She is all over social media, so be sure to find her on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. The list goes on. She's everywhere. I'm running out of breath from saying all that in one sentence. (laughs) Purchase her music, too. She's on iTunes, Amazon.com, and you can even buy direct off her website. 
Be sure to check out www.nowhearthis.biz. That's H-E-A-R. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons on nowhearthis.biz as well to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. So, Liz, um, you just mentioned uh, this new album. Um, I don't know what you're at liberty to say or not say uh, in the public domain, but um, as far as you know, the available, you mentioned that people can get it at your live shows. Is is that the only place they can get it? Um, what what else would you like to say about the album and its content uh, itself? Yeah. Um there's something like some things I can't say yet, but I can tell you that it's a record called Liz Longley. <laughs> Pretty hard to uh, confuse, but um, it's a record that I made with 650 incredibly supportive fans who have backed this project on Kickstarter and helped me make the record of my ge- dreams, essentially here in Nashville with musicians who have played with everyone from uh, Stevie Nicks to uh, Etta James to Keith Urban to Taylor Swift to James wow. Taylor. Um, and Cheryl Crow, the list goes on and on and on. So I had, I was working with mu- musicians of a caliber I had never even uh, interacted with before. Um, so it was an incredible experience, and I would not have been able to do that without those fans. So I'm very proud to have made it with them. And uh, I didn't want to release it uh, independently because I don't have the ability to do it correctly alone so i really wanted to build my team around this record so i got a new management team and i got a booking agency and now i'm working on getting a label and that's looking very uh promising and uh the label will put it out this year um so that's kind of where that cd is is right now so it's it's not on on or out online and it but it is at shows and i have been playing songs from that record for a while now so i'm looking forward to getting it out so i can start playing new songs and and uh working on the next thing okay now i'm gonna make you uncomfortable and i'm gonna make you be a salesperson so uh how many songs are on it what's the theme of the album uh <laughs> encourage these encourage these people to uh to get to see you live so that they can buy it sooner than later Sure. Um, well, I travel constantly, so whenever someone says, you know, why aren't you playing here? I just say, the date hasn't been added to the calendar yet, but yeah. I'm coming. So, um, Hold your I breath, lo- I'll I be love, there soon. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love, absolutely love playing live and meeting people at shows. Um, but this record, uh, what is the theme? Um, ooh, uh, love, love lost, love gained, love lost again. Um, <laughs> mm, I'm noticing a trend. <laughs> Um, and how many songs are on it? I believe there are 12 or 13. Um, I don't know the order by heart, but there is one cover on there. One, uh, one cover I did, a Queen's crazy little thing called love. And I did it as a waltz, which was really, really fun mm. to just put a new twist on, on an old favorite. Um, but the rest of the songs are original. I wrote them all, you know, sitting in my room about very personal things. And, and I, I like to be uh, personal because I find that people are often able to hear their own stories within these songs, and, and I love relating to people through these songs. So um, the only song that I didn't write alone is a song called This Is Not The End, which was on the Army Wives season six finale, and uh, it was a really cool moment to be part of that show. Um, but yeah, everything else is completely original and inspired by real-life events, and I tell all the stories behind the songs live, so I give it all away. <laughs> and uh, what prompts you to pick crazy little thing called love what prompts you to want to put 
one cover song on the album? What prompts you to pick that particular song? Were there others that you considered? I like to record a cover song for every record. And this record, I just wanted to do something from the 80s. Someone said, do a song from the 80s. And I picked a crazy little thing called Love. And um, John Mayer came to Berkeley several years ago for a clinic. And, and he said something about, you know, when you do a cover, you should always bring a twist to it put yourself into it and, and make it your own. And so that was really fun to try to do with Crazy Little Thing Called Love. And on the last record I did, I did that with uh, Van Morrison's Moondance. Um, you've recorded at Ocean Way Studios in Nashville. Tell the listeners about that facility, which is very historic, and, and, and about working in there. It's a magical room, right? <laughs> right when we, we were checking out studios, we walked into that one, and I knew... That was where I wanted to make my record. It's an old cathedral turned into a studio, and so many incredible records have been made there. And actually, when um, when we were in there, I think right after we were finished, Lady Antebellum was coming in to make their next record. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like a surreal moment. <laughs> <laughs> And who knows, they, they may be being interviewed on a podcast right now and saying, and right before we were in there, Liz Longley was in the other... <laughs> Probably not, but... <laughs> well, you never, you never know. Um, so, Liz, you, you alluded to it briefly, um, but you've had good success with getting song placements. Your song, uh, Time, Take Your Time, was featured on Beauty and the Beast, which aired on CW. Uh, the show, NY Med on ABC featured your music um, and you mentioned another one of your songs This Is Not The End was used in a, se- in a uh, season finale of Army Wives wow yeah it's been fun um, you know I can't really take credit for any of that obviously I, I wrote those songs and some of them I wrote alone some of them I wrote with other people but it's really the the companies that I've worked with that have you know helped connect those songs with the right the right shows and the right moments in those shows and kind of made, made the music part of the show. I mean, it's, it's just a, a a thrill to get to work with people like that who have a vision for those kind of things and, and have even come to come. They sometimes, you know, those people, they come to a writing session and they say, Hey, we need a song about this for this show. Can you guys create this feeling, this moment for us? And it's really fun to get those kind of assignments and, and be challenged that way. So, it's an honor to be part of those shows. I really, I really love it. Yeah, and good. I'm, I'm glad you threw in that last part because, uh, you know, for openers, I'll put that thought on hold for a second. For openers, you are, you are too humble. I mean, obviously, uh, in, in Nashville, first and foremost, you know, everybody there will tell you that you know it's all about the song. You know that it starts with the song, and, and obviously, if your songs weren't strong enough, uh, we wouldn't be talking about any of this. So, um, you know, you, you definitely <laughs> do get a lot of the credit. Um, but at the same time, yes, you're right, and I think people need to hear that, that, that sometimes those, uh, those types of situations do present themselves. I know that I had uh, someone out in L.A. one time that I was talking to on behalf of one of my clients, and they said, well, does she have any songs that X, you know, and, and, uh-huh. and, they, and they give you that description. So uh, I'm glad that you shared that, you know, that, that there are times, um, you know, when, when you've been approached for people that have something specific in mind. Um, you know, it's it's not just entirely, uh, you know, let's pull out this song and see if, if someone wants to use it. Right, right. Obviously, yeah, I love those assignments. Yeah, obviously, so you're not you're not writing specifically with that intent. But now that you've right. started to have some of this success, are are you kind of 
keeping a little bit, little bit of an eye towards that more than before, perhaps? Definitely more than before, but um, I really... I really struggled with that for a long time, actually, because when I first started working in the, actually before I had any placements in TV and film, I uh, was working with someone who had basically said, take the story out of your songs, because if you want a TV and film placement, you can't be so specific. And while that is totally true, it it also was very um, hard to hear. And um, because I I, I do think of songwriting as, as a, a way to tell stories and that's how I connect with people and um such a huge part of what I do is telling stories and and so it really like sucked the life out of me for a long time like wait I can't tell stories like I just have to say things that don't really make sense but they have a vibe like what where's the heart in that and so I've really tried to find the balance between the two telling a story not over telling the story um but then, I, I mean, every song is different. Some songs are, you know, I've started writing that I'm like, wow, that's, you know, I haven't written anything like that before where it's, it's perfect for TV and film because there's not this extremely strong story. It's mostly a feeling. And, but I still do write other songs that are not fitting for TV, at, TV and film at all, and I completely enjoy writing them and performing them. So I just try not, it's, I just try to, when I'm writing, to have totally judge-free zone and, and not think ahead. Uh, at all just kind of be in the moment and and write whatever the song feels like it needs to be yeah because certainly there are you know a lot of those parameters out there that that uh people try to place on the songwriter when the, when the songs came in to me um that were intended to be played on this podcast i noticed that the one that we're going to play at the end of the podcast is right in that magical time right in that magical running length uh, it's it's about three minutes and fifteen seconds, and and I didn't even listen. I didn't even double click it to listen on it. I just saw that and smiled, and I thought, I'm, why am I even surprised? Of course, you know, with with as polished as you are, um, you know, and, and and we're talking about, you know, the, your your body of work and and where it has ended up, um, you know, as as free as you're describing that you like to be, I, I'm sure that somewhere in the back of your head, you're either fighting it or just you know begrudgingly accepting the fact that and on top of it they also want me to do it in three and a half minutes (laughs) (laughs) you know i really don't think about the time at all um if a song feels like it needs to be four minutes long and it doesn't ever get boring in those four minutes then i'm totally fine with it (laughs) uh but have you written a song where someone has come back and told you this is a great song but it's too long not that i can recall well, but God bless you then, because... <laughs> maybe I haven't had those situations, you know? I, I haven't maybe been in the situation where someone needs a song that's a certain amount of time. Yeah, well... You um, know, in the TV and film world, they can they chop those suckers up, you know? They they need 20 seconds, or they need, you know, you know a, a minute. But yeah. it's very rare that they play a whole song. Well, again, I, I simply look at it as as a credit to you that um, that you and certainly for someone that has a degree in songwriting, for Pete's sake, you know, I would almost think that that would just kind of be a, a natural habit to fall into that that your songs would uh, fall somewhere in that magic running time and not you know go off and be six minutes and ten seconds. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever written a song that long. <laughs> Nothing against songs that long, but. <laughs> Okay, now it's time for Bruce's Bonus. This is a segment here on Now Hear This Entertainment where I take off my hat as podcast host and put on my hat as president of Now Hear This, giving a helpful tip for the listeners that are musicians, singers, songwriters, entertainers who are out there hard trying to make a go of it. Today's bonus is short and sweet. Thank people. 
Be sincere and go out of your way to show them that you appreciated the opportunity you gave them, whether it was someone who booked you, media or otherwise, that goes a long way. And that is today's Bruce's Bonus. I know there's no magic wand that you can wave or or golden ticket, if you will, that will give other songwriters who are listening the key to unlock such success as your songs are having. Um, But um, just talk about, you know, when you do sit down to to songwrite. And and I like to ask this of a lot of the songwriters that I have on, uh, you know, do you sit down to do it? Is it no? It's, you know, thoughts are coming at me constantly. Um, maybe you schedule sessions for yourself, you know, what's, what's your process and, 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 and what motivates you? That's a really good question. And honestly, my process has completely changed in the last month. Mm. Um, for the first three years I lived here or for the past three years, I've lived in Nashville for two and a half. Um, I think I told you, I I told you that, you know, I had, I was working with someone who wanted me to take the stories out of my song and that, that really blocked me for like, like to be completely honest, I, I wrote I co-wrote forty songs the first, you know, year I, I lived here. But I didn't write anything on my own because I felt judged, and that really blocked me. Uh, and then things just kept happening that really just kept blocking me. And I, there's nothing to blame, but just you know, sometimes that happens. And um, anyway, I recently got a book called The Artist Way, and basically before I found this book, I'd sit down to write, and I'd be you know, voices in my head would be like, oh, this song sucks, or like, you always do this, or, Mm, you know, all these very um, negative things about my writing, and um, it really, it just didn't allow me to create freely, and I got this book called The Artist's Way, and it encourages journaling every morning, every morning you wake up and you journal for three pages, totally unfiltered, you can say whatever the heck you want, you can say, I need to do my laundry, you can list your chores, anything that you want to do, that gets you just writing, and um, it has completely changed me as a songwriter, as a creative person. Um, and I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> um, but now I sit down every time. And like I said, I, I feel like I can, if I wanted to write a jazz song, I would just do it instead of saying, but you're not a jazz artist or who's ever going to want to hear this. You know, it's just, I'm going to write a jazz song and I might never play it again, but I'm going to write it and it's going to feel really good to write it. And, um, so that's been my creative process is, is uh, after I read this book, I've just been I'm much more, it's a 12 week uh, book, um, but I'm only four or five weeks in and I felt a, a, a drastic change in my creative process a week in. Um, so wow. now I, wow. I feel like I'm drawn to the piano all the time, drawn to my guitar all the time. I have ideas constantly flowing out. I've journaled every single morning for the past 30 days and I will continue to do so. I hope for the rest of my life because it's, um, it just opens the floodgates and, and it allows you to really check in with what your block, what, what your, the blocks that you're putting up. And it, it's, uh, it's freeing. I highly, highly recommend the book. The book's by Julia Cameron. It's called the artist way. And, uh, it's a spiritual guide to greater creativity. I think I carry it in my purse everywhere I go. <laughs> a spiritual path to higher creativity. And uh, I wasn't honestly a spiritual person at all before I read this book, and now I am. It's wow. insane. So well, that's that's my creative process. Is now I'm just whenever it happens, it happens, and it seems to be coming a lot more than it ever did before. Yeah, I mean, I can just hear it coming through. That you know, it, it's obviously had a, a profound impact on you. Um, and you know, I, I think I think the message that I'm hearing in there is that at some point in time, as a songwriter, you you need to to change 
your habits. You need to challenge yourself. You know, you need mm-hmm. to find something that. Uh, you know, there's a difference between this is the method that I use to songwrite, but yet I always write, let's say, love songs, for example. Um, mm-hmm. You know, if you say if you always write love songs and then you decide, well, I'm going to write something, uh, you know, that's a country song. Well, you know, all you're doing is changing the genre, but you're not changing the method through which you right. write those songs. And and so it sounds like you're you're strongly saying, um, you know, you need to change your way of doing it at some point. Exactly. And and one of the things this book encourages is doing other creative things that you never thought you could do before or that you just never do because you don't have time or it seems silly. And um, every week you have like an, a date with your inner artist and you do something that allows for reflecting. And um, But one of the kind of like, like, for example, one week uh, I, I wanted to do something creative that I never do. And I just got a coloring book and a pack of 62 crowns <laughs> and I just, you know, colored in the coloring book and it was a totally weird thing. And somehow it was like, it was productive. <laughs> yeah. So it's just about being creative and, and, and realizing that all of us are creative. We just don't tap into it all the time. And, um, if you're stuck in one creative way, you can probably get there by doing something else creative yeah, so. and I would have to imagine that that you know one feeds into the other. Whereby, uh, you know, if you are songwriting and you're struggling, uh, you know, you go you go in color, and and it kind of mm-hmm. takes away that pressure. And as you're coloring, exactly. all of a sudden it seeps back in, and you and you say, okay, I'm starting to get some ideas now. I'm more relaxed. You know, exactly, the, the ideas are flowing freely. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. Um. So I'll tell you what. This is um. <laughs> this interview is is one of those ones where I find myself telling the listeners that she really is in Nashville. She has not seen the questions. Uh, you, you're you're almost kind of like staying one step ahead of me here because because what I had next. Um, actually, I'm going to hit you with with a whole bunch here at once. But okay. um, so you do play both guitar and piano. Um, mm-hmm. Which one was your first instrument? And 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 so how do you approach songwriting on guitar? versus songwriting on piano and and for that matter is is there a priority on on one versus the other um it just depends um I, my first instrument was piano and then i really felt that i was writing very slow similar songs and this was all when i was like 14 15 16 and so when i was 17 i was like okay i need to learn how to play guitar and um it completely changed my writing and helped me grow in a huge way and it was it was the same thing it was like bringing something totally different out of me because it was a different pattern. My hands were in different shapes, you know. I was able to play different rhythms, and um, so it really fed me creatively. And uh, and then I got stuck, you know, a couple of years ago on guitar, and I'm like, ah, what do I do? And I went back to piano, and now piano is where my heart and soul are, is right now. And uh, and so I, I, but I, I go back and forth between the two and sometimes I'll start writing a song on piano and I'll go oh this is a guitar song and I'll mm. take it over or vice versa and uh, sometimes like right now I'm working on a song that I started on guitar and then I, I started playing it on piano and then I'm taking it back to guitar and I'm writing different sections on both instruments does that make sense? <laughs> I'm just kind of like I wrote the chorus on the guitar and then I sat down and played the chorus on the piano and I wrote the verse on the piano so it's it's been kind of cool just to 
use both to my advantage and they both bring out different things yeah it's crazy um, I'm, I'm having this mental picture of of your sitting behind the keyboard uh, the piano but yet you have your guitar around your <laughs> got the strap around your shoulder and you start playing it on piano and then you switch over to guitar and then you switch back to the piano because like i got both in front of me i can do this exactly exactly <laughs> it's really fun it's really fun to to not you know know what's gonna bring out what when you sit down with it you know so and to go ahead it sounds to me like the answer is uh, there's not a priority on one versus no. the other and and the approach songwriting on guitar is pretty much the same as it is on piano it's just wherever it comes out sounding best exactly exactly and when i play a show um i would never play a show all the way through with just my piano um but i could play a show all the way through with just a guitar because uh, I've just written a lot more on the guitar. But um, I really like to have both just to kind of change up. You know, if it's one person with a guitar and a piano for an hour or so, you know, you want to hear some different sounds. So I, I try to use them as much as I can to switch sounds up and switch feelings up. Well, yeah. I mean, I would argue that, you know, when a fan comes to see an artist that they know plays both guitar and piano, that they mm-hmm. want to hear them play both. Right, right. Uh, I am Bruce Wozniak, and joining me from Nashville on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line is singer-songwriter Liz Longley. Visit her website at www.lizlongley.com, and that's L-O-N-G-L-E-Y. She's all over social media. Be sure to find her on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. Uh, The list goes on. She's everywhere. Plus, uh, purchase her music, please. She's on iTunes, Amazon.com. You can even buy direct off of her website. And be sure to check out www.nowhearthis.biz, and that's H-E-A-R for the spelling challenged. And sign up for the e-newsletter there and subscribe to this podcast. Feel free to use the social media buttons there as well to like the Now Hear This page on Facebook and or become a Twitter follower. Liz, I get guests on this podcast who I ask if they have stopped long enough to catch their breath and recognize and appreciate all the success that they've had, and by and large, most of them have said, wow, I really don't think of all that until someone like you, Bruce, reads me such a long list of accomplishments. Um, (laughs) Has there been one moment for you where you've kind of stopped and said, wow, this is amazing. I can't believe I just, insert highlight here. (laughs) Uh, I had that moment recently. Uh, Actually, I think it was last week. Nothing particularly happened, but I was on stage, and like I said, this book has kind of rocked my world and made me grateful for all that uh, this creative life has allowed me to do. And I was standing on stage at one of my favorite venues called the Birchmere in Alexandria, Virginia. It's a 500-seat room, and the people just sit there and and just listen so intently. And um, I was about three songs in, and you know, sometimes I just get up there and I go on autopilot because I do it every night. But I just was overwhelmed with gratitude and couldn't believe that I get to play music for people every night. And they listen to my silly little stories as weird and funny and strange as they are. And they they take it in and they react and they respond. And I feel so connected to them. And it's just an amazing process. And um, it seems it, it's not like a huge moment in my career. It's just that. I was really uh, aware of of how much um, this you know this life has given me. It's very rewarding. That's awesome. 
Um, and I know it sounds like a, that's awesome. And then he asks the next question. It's not a blow off. It's just, it, you know, it is really overwhelming. It, it, it does kind of yeah. leave you speechless. I mean, like you said, yeah. you know, to be standing up there doing what you do on a regular basis and all of a sudden you just kind of, you're in one of those moments and you go, I can't believe all these people well, came here tonight to see me. Yeah. And, yeah. and these people are hanging on my every word. Yeah. It's, it's, it's humbling. Um, your music is on Sirius XM. You've gotten music placed on television. You've played with some really big names, uh, Sean Colvin and Paula Cole, just to name two. You've developed this tremendous following. Uh, she has over 10,000 on Facebook and almost 4,000 Twitter followers. You tour like crazy. So the question is, what is the next step on the ladder that you're aiming to reach? Hmm. <laughs> you think I would have ask myself that question um it, for me it's all about slow growth so I, um the next goal in in my life is to get this record out that i've had for a year and a half and i've kind of been focused on that for the past two years so um finally achieving that with my first record deal will be huge and then and and then working with a new team and you know having a label and and amazing creative people behind the next record is really really an exciting step that i'm i'm looking forward to um but i don't have like career goals in mind except for that i just want to keep being able to do what i do and and grow gradually and um i have creative goals but i don't i don't you know career goals are i kind of just put it I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I don't, I'm not a very goal oriented person, I guess. Okay. But, but I just us, kind of give us an example. What, what would be an example of a creative goal that you have? Um, I just have ideas in my head about the next record and, um, what it's going to feel like when I listen to it, what, what it's going to feel like to make it the mm-hmm. vibe that I want to have in the studio when we create it. Um, just the the whole feeling of it. I can't imagine who's on it or what the songs are called or anything, but I just want it to feel more raw and have capture something that whatever happens live at my live shows, I want to capture that somehow and make it feel like that on a record, not have it be so pristine and, um, you know, edited and, and perfected. I want it to feel really alive and raw and real um so that's my creative goal for the next record um but you know career-wise i'm i feel really lucky to be where i am and i just want to keep growing and wherever it takes me it takes me um i've talked with one or two guests previously on the now hear this entertainment podcast about crowdfunding you you alluded to it earlier You've done tremendously in that arena. To, to what do you credit the overwhelming success that you've had with that? I credit my incredible fans and the the relationship that I have with them. I'm I've, I've, I'm very much open on stage about telling stories about my personal life and and then meeting with them afterwards to the point where we feel like we know each other. And I may have met them one or two times, but. They just keep coming back to shows because we have I th- somehow how I let them into my life. We feel very connected, and so so when it was time to you know make this record with fans, they're just like, oh, of course, like Liz, she's like our our buddy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I I credit the relationship that they've allowed me to have with them. And and for the listeners that that aren't familiar. Um, 
you know, I think it was just on, on last week's podcast, uh, we talked about some of the differences between a couple of the different uh, crowdfunding websites and, uh, you know, and how some of them, you know, like Kickstarter, for example, if you don't meet your goal, you don't get any of it. Um, Rocket Hub, you know, you'll still get the money if you don't hit your goal, but they'll take a bigger percentage. And Liz, when, when Liz did her Kickstarter campaign, I mean, I see people, um, you know, other, other artists, uh, whether they're clients of mine or not, uh, who are launching campaigns and, and you see them, and I'm sure you see this too, Liz, you know, where it's getting down to the 11th hour and they're on every social media outlet mm-hmm. that they can find. Please, we got to hit the goal. We've only got X amount of time left and I need X am- and And listeners, Liz had such success. I mean, you you blew doors off of, of what your goal was. It was. It was just incredible. It was insane. And I have nothing to do with that. I mean, I wasn't trying to push it too much. I didn't want to be annoying. I I felt like my goal was so, so scary, so high, but I had budgeted everything out and it was what I needed to make the record of my dreams. And, and, uh, I, my goal was $35,000 and they helped me raise $55,000. So it was, it was overwhelming. It was incredible. Yeah. So there's obviously a line that needs to be walked. You need to be aggressive enough to make sure that people know that you're in a campaign, uh, mm-hmm. and the time and the goal, but at the same time, like you said, um, you know, not turning people off to where they say, all right, look, I get it. You know, this is all this girl ever posts about. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. I think the most important thing is when you're going into something like that is knowing your fan base. And if you don't know if how many fans you have, or you don't know, um, you know, cause they, there's like a certain percentage of, you know, I have 10,000 Facebook likes. I had 650 donors. There's a very small percentage of your fans, as much as they love you, that will donate money to your campaign. So you need to, you can't say, oh, I, you know, here's my insanely large goal, monetary goal, and then go, but I have a thousand fans and, you know, you know, 30 of them will donate. Like you have to, you have to be really realistic and, and there's a lot of chance in it. There really is, but you have to know your fan base. That's the main thing. Yeah, because you could say, well, I've got uh, I've got a thousand followers. Um, you know, if everybody gave uh, forty dollars, that if forty thousand dollars, well, everybody's not going to give forty dollars. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, if they if they if they did, that math works out. But that's about all. <laughs> this is kind of fun, Liz. You've done some shows online, live in the living room. Tell our listeners about those. Yes, I love doing. Uh online shows um it's an amazing way to to meet with fans that don't always get to come to your shows or areas that you don't typically get to tour and uh and it's been really fun i do it every month um live from my living room and i have a different guest every month this will be uh this month will be my third or fourth i can't recall um it's on concertwindow.com and obviously there are a lot of different options if you want to do a couch concert um there's stage it and um uh, Ustream and a couple others, but I really love Concert Window and I love chatting with the fans on there and connecting with them. It's just a great way to do something different, and um, I love talking with them after the show. It's just a great way to stay connected, and it's really fun. I do about you know thirty five minutes of a show and maybe an encore, and with a different guest every time. We do different songs every time. It keeps it interesting. And what uh, what kind of got you into to trying your hand at that? I don't know. I just had the idea one day and I passed my, passed it by my management and, and they said, that sounds fun. Let's do it. So 
we just kind of created a series. And, and living in Nashville, there are just so many incredible musicians here. And so many of my friends are talented artists. So I knew that it would be super easy on my days off that I were home to, to have a guest that would, that would be highly enjoyable for my fans. I wanted to expose my fans to new music and expose their fans to they could you know chat with my fans in the the chat room and connect there and you know because music lovers love meeting other music lovers and i just thought it'd be a fun thing to do and it has it has proven to be wildly fun it's it's highly rewarding and and you know when you're sitting on your couch and you can make a couple hundred bucks too i mean i'm not mad at that yeah i was just gonna say <laughs> as much as you like the road it's not so terrible to to do, yeah. <laughs> do it from the comfort of your own home. <laughs> exactly. Drink a little wine, have some dinner, and then have a show. <laughs> saves, uh, saves gas and wear and tear on the car. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just uh, two final questions, Liz. The first one, uh, well, I got through almost the entire podcast without asking something that's really cliched, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> at least, un- until now. So here it is. Who are your musical influences? Aha. <laughs> uh-huh. Um off the top of my head Joni Mitchell um the Weepies I absolutely love the Weepies do you know the Weepies is it alright if I say no it's totally fine okay, if you say no, no. <laughs> um but they're they're incredible everyone should know the Weepies W-E-E-P-I-E-S and their music really really moves me they're just wonderful um I love Eva Cassidy obviously she's passed but her voice is one of a kind it's just unreal and um and then, as far as up-and-coming acts that I, I really adore, uh, there's an incredible duo that just moved to Nashville. Actually, they're called Barnaby Bright, and uh, their music is just so unique and and so creative, and uh, it's just amazing. Incredible songwriters and, and and vocalists and musicians, and so those are my favorites. And I think you've given me some homework now because there's a couple there that that I can look up and and uh, yeah. check out myself as as well as our listeners. Um, final question, I guess, is simply, uh, we're going to close out the podcast with your song, Bad Habit. Can you tell us about that song, uh, the message, writing that song, the whole nine yards? Sure. Um, so this song is about a guy that I was dating for a little while, and um, he told me that I was the love of his life. It was so sweet. And then I found out that he had several other ladies who several, were also the love yeah, of his several life. Several other loves yeah. of his life. How convenient. <laughs> exactly. So um, we broke up, and uh, I wrote the song about him. And then he asked me to sing at his wedding. And wow. I was, yeah, this is all like within a month's time. It's a pretty, pretty strange story. Yes. And uh, I was so tempted to go and sing at his wedding and, and just slip this song in as their first dance or something like that but <laughs> so this is a true story it's called bad habit it's about a boy we're the, seeing the the vengeful the vengeful side of of liz longley <laughs> <laughs> i've got a few songs like this <laughs> and and that's and that's done uh with your with your salesperson hat on so good for you people will have to go looking for those um, I want to thank you so much uh for your time today really really enjoyed talking to you thank thanks for doing this I really enjoyed talking to you as well. Thank you so much for the great questions and for making the time for me. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Uh, I will formally thank my guest, Liz Longley, and remind you listeners to please visit her website at www.lizlongley.com, and that's L-O-N-G-L-E-Y. Find her all over social media. That would be Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all over social media. Purchase her music, too. It's available through iTunes, Amazon.com, her own website that I just mentioned, 
Uh, don't forget to visit www.nowhearthis.biz and sign up for the email newsletter there by simply putting in your email address. It's just that simple. And of course, please do subscribe to this podcast. Tell your friends, neighbors, family members, coworkers about it. Uh, give us a nice review on iTunes or Stitcher Radio too. Would you please? That actually helps out. You don't know how much it helps those those uh, reviews. It's been nice to see them, but uh, we need more. Um, we have been recording this show at the great facilities at Crystal Blue Sound Studios near Tampa, Florida. Check them out online at www.cbpro.net. That's CB as in Crystal Blue. Thanks for listening. We'll send you out today with another song from today's guest, Liz Longley, as promised. This is the one that she just talked about. It's called Bad Habit. Yeah.